Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 3811. We're going to spend a lot of time during the course of this program on what uh, Terry Nadler and the House Democrats are doing to the executive branch, to separation of powers, to the Constitution. They are intentionally and specifically subpoenaing individuals to testify that they know full well cannot testify unless the President of the United States destroys the office of the presidency. A president must have a close circle of advisors, attorneys, secretaries, executive assistants, chief of staff, and so forth, who can provide him with information without fear that members of Congress will then drag them in front of their committees and demand that they give private or public testimony. Now, this notion of executive privilege goes back as far as George Washington and, of course, as recently as... Barack Obama, with respect to Eric Holder, and now this president. And so what Nadler is doing systematically is he is subpoenaing individuals who he knows the Office of Legal Counsel of the Justice Department will advise the President of the United States to prevent from testifying before Congress. These people haven't committed crimes. They're not accused of wrongdoing. It's just that Mr. Nadler wants to pierce a cherished tradition and practice in this country He wants to destroy the notion of separation of powers. I heard a judicial analyst on TV say today that when the president allowed his White House attorney, Mr. McCann, to testify during the course of a special counsel investigation that he had waived privilege with respect to Congress. This, as any rudimentary student of constitutional law knows, is utter ignorance. Since the special counsel is part of the same branch of government, that is the executive branch, it would have absolutely no precedential effect if the President of the United States asserts privilege on the same individual as applies to Congress, two completely different institutions, one having nothing to do with the other. Uh, when <laughs> To declare uh, a privilege against your own branch of government would be odd. It was tried several times, but it would be odd. That's not what the President of the United States is doing here. Now, I just told you succinctly in the course of about, what, 180 seconds, what's going on, the constitutional issues, the history. Have you heard this on TV anywhere? I don't know. I'm just wondering. Have you heard this on TV anywhere? And so you keep hearing that uh, this congressman from Rhode Island, who's a complete jerk, and you keep hearing that Jerry Nadler, we know what he is, and the others say that... uh, We can't help. The president is building a case uh, for impeachment. He's broken the law. Nadler announced today the president broke the law. I don't know. Was the president charged and convicted of anything? He said he committed crimes. That was the phrase he used. This just shows you what a reprobate this guy Nadler is. He's out of control. 
if the Republicans had any guts whatsoever, they would move immediately to have him removed as chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. You might say, well, they don't have the votes. Of course they don't have the votes. doesn't matter. This is all drama. This is all pseudo news. He should be removed. He's not handling this committee in any kind of an objective way. If he's going to be a partisan hack and he's going to violate the Constitution and cause damage of separation of powers between the two branches of government, the Republicans should give speech after speech after speech on the floor of the House of Representatives. If they're not going to defend Trump, at least defend the Constitution. But so far they haven't done it. Instead we get ramblings from members of the Republican side. I like this guy, Doug Collins, but he seems a little disorganized in his defense of what's taking place. I'm not putting him down in any respect, so don't misunderstand me. But there needs to be a concerted effort to fight this. So we'll get into more of this. McGahn and now they're, they're subpoenaing other individuals who are in the immediate orbit of the President of the United States. It's understood that Congress doesn't get to interrogate them publicly in these committees. It's understood. That's our history. So who's violating what? What's sad is any of the viewers of CNN and MSNBC, any of the readers of the New York Times, any listeners to NPR, they're not going to get any of this. But at least we should, right? Well, today's the big day, at least here, I think with many of you. Many of you have received your copy now of Unfreedom of the Press. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope it's every bit as compelling as I said it was, uh, based on all the five-star ratings so far. And it's early yet. It's the first day. I want to thank you all. Um, It was only a matter of time, however, really seconds, that the book would come under attack. It's much like Trump, where they were demanding his impeachment before he was elected. We had Brian Stelter over at CNN. He's a reprobate, too. We know all about him, who was condemning the book, even though he'd never read it. Now, over at NPR, which shouldn't even exist, we've got plenty of radio stations and so forth. There's an individual by the name of Anal Lisa Quinn. Anal Lisa Quinn. Assume that's her name. I never heard of her before. She's their book review person. And I went back to look at the sort of things she's written because she's been a contributor to the New York Times and the usual left-wing uh, you know, papers and so forth. And she's a hack. She's a leftist. And she's relatively inarticulate and incoherent. Now, I don't have time to read the entirety of this screed, but I wanted to know something. I'm going to read some of it. You're the perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about in this book. You're a snob, and you're an elitist. And you have no reason to be either, because you're obviously not particularly bright. You really shouldn't be reviewing a book when you absolutely hate the author. That's the point. Somebody should review a book who wants to objectively review a book. But you have an agenda. That's why you work for and write for and are subsidized by left-wing publications and NPR, which we, the taxpayers, subsidize. So you prove the point. And here's her title. Unfreedom of the press is full of bombast and bile. Long-considered fringe. Remember who she is. Long-considered fringe. The right-wing radio host Mark Levin has had a few good years. That's the beginning of the book review. So she's already identified herself as a punk. But she goes on. He picked up a weekly Fox News show. He picked it up. No, actually, they contacted me. He counts conservative political commentator Gene, uh, uh, Sean Hannity as his best friend. And the president recently tweeted in support of his book. 
Word is out. That book is great. So, so far, nothing at all about the book. Just the drivel dripping from her chin onto her high heels. On his show, so again, nothing to do with the book. Levin speaks in the unmistakable tenor of a man experiencing road rage or shouting at a customer service representative. She doesn't get the show. She doesn't comprehend the show. Low IQ. She doesn't listen to the show where we talk about heavy things, not heavy things, fun things, and yes, passion, anger, like any other human being. So now she'll do what they all do. I've been at this for 15 years. Cherry pick. In a recent episode, so this has nothing to do with the book, he yelled at an absent Beto O'Rourke. Nobody likes a weak man, Beto. Nobody likes a weak man like you. Attack Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi's looks. Now remember, this is after attacking the looks of conservatives and Republicans. Her eyeballs are popping out of her head like ping pong balls. Called Senator Mitt Romney an ass. And Senator Dick Blumenthal a pathetic, loathsome liar. Now, there's an entire section in my book where one media figure after another is calling Trump Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, a dictator, a racist, a white supremacist, an anti-Semite, and more. Nothing I said that she cherry-picks here comes close to what her friends in the Democrat Party media have said about the president. Now remember, we're not even in the book yet. The media didn't escape his invective either. From CNN's Brian Stelter, that little creep, to MSNBC's whole conga line of freaks working its way right up to Rachel Madcow. Again, not a word, not a word about what her friends in the media have said about the President of the United States. Nothing. Nothing. Then she starts. This is the starting point of his new book, Unfreedom of the Press. It has nothing to do with my new book, Unfreedom of the Press. The media, Levin writes, constitutes a profession whose members form a class of, or aristocracy of strident, pretentious, arrogant, and self-righteously superior individuals, rarely capable of circumspection or improvement. Levin hopes to prove this by tracing the history of American media from the early days of the revolutionary press to what he calls the modern Democratic Party press. Let's stop there. That's not where I start the book. I don't start the book on chapter two, although Annalisa Quinn may have difficulty with numbers. I start the book at chapter one. And why does she skip over chapter one? She skips over chapter one because it's called news as political and ideological activism. And there's case after case, indisputable, that this is the fact with the modern mass media, that it is Democrat that it is progressive, that it is filled with social activists, and that it's not reporting news. Of course, there are exceptions. NPR is not one of them. Why did she skip this entire chapter that discusses standards, what freedom of the press is supposed to be, what news is supposed to be, what do we mean by journalism? Why does she skip all of that? Why? Because she's a hack who shouldn't be reviewing this book. But it's okay, because she's given me an opportunity to talk about it. Along the way, he looks, now listen to this. 
Along the way, he looks at the New York Times' inadequate coverage of the Holocaust. Full disclosure, I write freelance pieces for the Times. Let's just stop there at her comma. I have an entire chapter with the three top scholars who spent years researching this issue, going through New York Times articles and so forth. I cite them in my endnotes. Along the way, he looks at the New York Times' inadequate coverage of the Holocaust. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the New York Times' coverage of the Holocaust wasn't inadequate. It was criminal. It was unconscionable. Apparently, for Lisa Quinn, the Holocaust was no big deal. The Third Reich is no big deal. Anything in defense of the New York Times, anything in defense of progressivism, anything in defense of social activism for fundamental transformation, it doesn't matter. And you and I are subsidizing this woman. In part, she writes, for National Public Radio. Along the way, he looks at the New York Times' inadequate, inadequate coverage of the Holocaust. When you all but cover up what took place in the Holocaust and the extermination of six million Jews, that's not inadequate coverage. That's an abomination. So I want you to hear where, see where this woman's mind is. That sponge between her ears. How loathsome she is. And she's not alone. She is illustrative of what we're dealing with. She is incapable of reformation. She's incapable of circumspection. This is a psychological issue with her. It is a knee-jerk issue with her. She can't help it. She's a leftist, which is why this book isn't written for her. And she says she writes freelance pieces for the Times. So why is she reviewing my book? When an entire chapter, with the help of other scholars, exposes the New York Times. She doesn't delve into it. She doesn't want to discuss Chapter 6. She doesn't want to discuss Chapter 1. And she's off to the races. She goes on and touches on a handful of clear problems in American media, from the often poor distinction between reporting and opinion to the distorting incentives of the Internet. Wait a minute. The poor distinction between reporting and opinion? Clear problems? This is a monumental problem. A monumental problem. And the Internet? I spent a few sentences on the Internet because I I thank God for the Internet. I know most don't. I do. Because in its best light, it is a competitive platform to government-financed NPR, to government-financed PBS, and to much of the leftist media. But she goes on. Listen to this. But the book is largely filler. Quotations and paraphrasing make up the majority of the book's central chapters. Lengthy and irrelevant block quotes from historians about, say, colonial printing practices. The use of type commenced in Virginia about 1681. Give the book the air of a padded student essay. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I understand that progressives don't want to talk about American history. I understand it bores them. I understand they have a limited attention span. But you and I love American history, including the details. I'm writing a book, in part, about the history of the press. I shouldn't put in there about the colonial printing practices. I shouldn't quote the experts who know about it. I shouldn't touch it at all. This is a book review. This is a book review. If I hadn't quoted the sources that I was using, 
I'd be accused, rightly, of plagiarism. I'm quoting the sources I'm using. I'm giving you the context. But she's bored with 1681. There's just a little bit too much detail. All right, I have to take a break, but I'll be back. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S dot Hillsdale dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. Uh, the individual's Annalisa Quinn's review, so you all can read it and draw your own conclusion. It is sophomoric. It is incoherent. She doesn't even understand the substance of the book. She doesn't understand scholarship. Does It doesn't matter. This is their narrative. Now, this book wasn't written for her. She's incapable of reform and of digesting it, taking a step back, looking at what's going on on the horizon in the media, because she's eye deep into it. She's a writer for the New York Times, contributes. She's a writer for NPR. She's exactly the problem. And she jumps right out of the gate, trying to create the narrative for the book. It's not going to work, Annalisa. It's not going to fly. We're sick of you and people like you. You think you're so clever. You're not. In fact, you're so stupid you wrote this review. And I'm using you as a foil tonight. What do you think about that? All right, ladies and gentlemen, when we return, the attack on the Constitution and the President of the United States. By the way, I want to thank the President of the United States. He just tweeted out that he, that he in paraphrasing, loves the book. And I thought you might want to check it out. We'll go ahead and put that up for Annalisa Quinn. And all the other anal leases out there. We'll be right back. Folks, many of our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. But sadly, many have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse and instead peddle their moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, there's Hillsdale College. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. And as Hillsdale enters its 175th year, their goal is simple and yet profound 
to help students understand what is noblest and best in yourself and the world. Hillsdale College's liberal arts education and vibrant campus community helps students form a foundation for the rest of their lives, a truly life-defining experience. So if you're looking for a college that prizes learning and values intellectual enthusiasm, where everyone shares a strong sense of meaning and purpose, welcome to Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu slash admissions to plan a visit and learn more. That's hillsdale.edu slash admissions. Making sure the land of the free and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. Just to show you how Annalise's mind doesn't function properly. In the book, I reference the Broadway hit Hamilton, and I'm mocking the left. I'm mocking the left. When Levin offers his own analysis, it can approach parody. In one example, Levin suggests that in order to see how unjust the media's treatment of Trump is, all we have to do is compare it with the way the press garlands its most cherished progressive idol. Yes, I speak of the Broadway hit Hamilton, an American musical. That's not the point. Annalisa. Annalisa Quinn, if that is your name. The point was a spoof on fools like you who run into that play because they bastardized who Hamilton is, projected their progressive ideology onto him, and the joke is on them because he was a colluder. Oh, yes, he colluded with the British behind Washington's back. That was the point. She didn't get the point. She can't get the point because I wasn't, that wasn't her purpose. You heard how she led the book. And then I'm going to tell you why she skipped chapter one. Well, I'm sorry, we can't all be government subsidized by the American taxpayers on NPR. We all can't work for the Holocaust-denying New York slimes. Uh, as you seek to collect a few bucks here and there as a uh, contributor to these various uh, conglomerates, But the fact of the matter is, all your favorite media outlets have advertisers too. CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post. She doesn't comprehend these things. So in a book review, you know, NPR should be ashamed of itself, but it's not. Anytime we go to cut NPR, they will look at this. We have, you know, a Sesame Street, which I don't even think they have anymore. But you also have clowns like this. She's a dime a dozen. Annalisa. Now, why did she skip chapter one? And those of you who have the book or getting the book, there's a reason it's chapter one. There's a reason we have a, like a First Amendment. It starts at number one. Because it answers, asks the core questions and then answers them. What do we mean by a free press? What do we mean by a press or freedom of the press? What is the purpose of a free press? Is it to report information? What kind of information? Is it to interpret or analyze information? What is the news? How are decisions made about what is newsworthy and what is not? What's a news organization? A blogger? A weekly newspaper? Television network? And we go on. And we walk our way through this and try and get the answers. And what's going on today? And we look at historical analyses, among other things. And then we actually used the Gallup poll in the past, Pew poll in the past, first-hand comments that have been made from individuals like Laura Logan, who've, who've left certain media outlets. 
We look at what the Commission on Freedom of the Press had to say and their warnings about mixing fact with fiction and their warnings about a partisan media. Then we look at the Knight Foundation Gallup and the view of the American people with respect to the press, that a vast majority of Republicans do not trust the press but support a free press, that the vast majority of Democrats do trust the press. And what are the standards? We go over what the standards are, what the standards are said to be. But then we point out what changed in the 1920s, and then we point out what's changed even since the 1920s. And again, we look at the facts. Who are these people who provide us with information? We also provide a section in this, in this chapter <clears throat> excuse me, that lays out the incestuous relationship between Democrats and the media and vice versa. And it goes on. And Annalisa Quinn left out all of it because she's a fraud. She left it all out. Now, why did she leave it all out? The discussion of standards, the discussion of bias. Why did she leave all the evidence out? Why did she leave even all the anecdotes out? And so forth and so on. She's upset that I have quotes in the book. She doesn't even understand basic research and scholarship. As a practicing lawyer, obviously, when you put things in a brief, you need to provide the source, and you put quotations marks around quoted information. If I hadn't done that, I'd be accused of plagiarism. There's over 400 endnotes. It's overwhelming to her. But this book isn't written for her. And that's why I do not believe that the modern media can be reformed. I don't believe they can police themselves. I believe they are obsessed. They think they're morally superior. They're not particularly bright. But they're on a mission. They're almost like brainwashed and indoctrinated in one direction. You can look at other things she's written. I might, later in the evening, link to it. What she's written in the New York Times, it's the same genre, the same knee-jerk stupidity. But she's representative of the problem, isn't she? Representative of the problem. This is why you don't like the news. This is one of the key reasons. You can go throughout this book. This book so far is being very positively received by people who have an open mind and really want to understand what I believe is taking place. You don't have to agree with me. Now, I want to encourage the Democrat Party media out there. When you have people called book reviewers, actually have them review the book, maybe try and find somebody outside your normal staff or outside your Rolodex, Try and put the radical kooks to the side just for just for one book review. Somebody that might be an independent thinker, not part of the group think or the pack mentality like Annalisa Quinn. Somebody who's smart enough to digest this, not necessarily agree with it or even all of it, but to understand it <clears throat> rather than to project their own psychoses. And their own anger management issues. Like Annalisa Quinn. We have linked to Annalisa Quinn's piece, excuse me. <clears throat> so you can read it for yourself. Because it's full of bombast and bile, I would say. 
Wouldn't you say, Annalisa? I think so. All right. Was there some other commercial I needed to do, or did I do it? I did it. Now, the New York Times has jumped in. Then we're going to get to some real news here. When I was on Brett Baer's show, they asked the New York Times for an opinion about what I said about Chapter 6 and the Holocaust, which Annalisa Quinn says, look, it was inadequate. Let's move on. We're busy here. We're busy. We're busy trying to take out Trump. Don't start with the, uh, with the Holocaust. Everyone knows what the New York Times did in the Holocaust. No, no, they didn't. No, they didn't at all. A New York Times spokesperson responds to an inquiry from Fox based on what I said in Chapter 6. You want to hear what the New York Times said? Let's see. Oh, my printer screwed up. Let's see here. Let's see if I can grab it or Mr. Producer can grab it for me. I'll do my best. I don't have a lot of time here. I'll tell you what. It's too early to take a break. All right. I'll read the beginning. A New York Times spokesperson responds, Our mission is to seek the truth and help people understand the world. Is that their mission, ladies and gentlemen? Is that their mission? The New York Times fell short of that mission by publishing Durante's discredited coverage. Durante would be Walter Durante, their correspondent in Moscow for 12 years, who covered up the slaughter of the Ukrainians, some 10 million of them, by Stalin, and by failing to adequately cover the Holocaust in the 1930s and 40s. Now, you'll notice that Annalisa Quinn uses exactly the same language that the New York Times does. Are you surprised? She says the coverage was inadequate. The New York Times says that they failed to adequately cover the Holocaust, even in her review. She's a parrot. Now, again, to say they fell short of their mission by publishing Durante's discredited coverage, they're not going to tell you what Durante's discredited coverage is. I have to tell you. And Annalisa Quinn's complaint is that I use experts and historians who looked at the records at the time to tell you the story. She wants me to actually interview Walter Durante. She wants me to pull him out of his grave. She complained uh, about uh, my lack of firsthand investigation. Well, I'm sorry, Annalisa. Those six million Jews are dead. I didn't interview anybody in a newsroom, she says. I didn't go into anybody's newsroom. You don't have to go into anybody's newsroom. I watch TV. Don't you watch TV, folks? Pathetic. In both cases, writes the New York Times, the Times has comprehensively, over many decades, detailed its lapses to ensure they are not repeated. That actually isn't true. And I investigated that. They've given rather superficial responses, including in one case, the New York Times. And I specifically addressed that in Chapter 6, the response they gave. And I specifically addressed the response they gave to the slaughter of the Ukrainians in Chapter 6. The Times believes that owning up to moments when our journalism falls short is a central part of demonstrating our commitment to, and of course, the printer screwed up there. But to paraphrase, then they say, Mr. Levin must know this since he touts the fact that he's on the New York Times list on the cover of his book. We'll see what the New York Times does with unfreedom of the press, ladies and gentlemen. But didn't I tell you yesterday, Mr. Producer, why I put them on the cover of the book? Did I mention that seriously yesterday or not? The irony of it. They just don't get it. Like Annalisa Quinn. They just don't get it. For a book like mine, any of the books I write, 
to be number one on the New York Times bestseller list must drive the left nuts. You all get it. They don't get it. We're going to sell more books this week thanks to you because you are very, very engaged. You are very, very serious about this. You want to know more and you want to get your free press back. We'll sell more books than any other book this week. We'll see what the New York Times does. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I will be on Hannity tonight on the Fox News Channel, 9 p.m. Eastern. At, uh, check that. 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. And I'm hoping Lisa Quinn will be watching. Because obviously she's a stalker. Let me read something to you. And next hour we're going to jump with both feet into what this disgraceful rogue Democratic House of Representatives is doing to the president and to this country in particular. Russian nuclear-capable long-range bombers flew into the air defense identification zone, which extends approximately 200 miles off Alaska's western coast. I can't tell you where I got this. just reading it to you. The Russian bomber flights are seen by U.S. military officials as part of Moscow's effort to train its military for a potential crisis, while simultaneously sending a message of strength to adversaries. This latest intercept comes amid tensions with Russia on a wide range of geopolitical issues. And a week after Secretary of State Mike Pompeo met with Russian Vladimir Putin in the resort town of Sochi about interfering in U.S. elections, taking a tougher public line than President Donald Trump on the issue. This is what's written. U.S. F-22s, they're fighter jets, and an E-3 airborne early warning and control system from North American Aerospace Defense Command positively identified and intercepted a total of four Tupolev Tu-95 bombers and two Su-35 fighters entering the Alaskan Air Defense Identification Zone, ADIZ, on May 20, NORAD said in a statement. Two of the Russian bombers were intercepted by two F-22s, and a second group of bombers with Su-35 fighters was intercepted later by two additional F-22s, while the E-3 provided overall surveillance, NORAD said, adding that the Russian bombers and fighters remained in in international airspace, and in no time did the aircraft enter United States or Canadian sovereign airspace. 
Now, this sort of thing is going on. China's breathing down our throats or backs. Iran, North Korea, these things are going on. And what is the House of Representatives doing? Mr. Call Screener, let's leave a couple lines open for irregular Americans, a.k.a. liberals. What are they doing in the House of Representatives for the American people? Don't give me the Donald Trump stuff. What are they doing for the American people? To secure the border? To strengthen the military? I I really want to know. What are they doing? And don't give me that. I'm not talking about Republicans or Trump. What are the Democrats doing? They control the House of Representatives. What substantive piece of legislation has been passed in the last four, six, eight weeks that would improve this country? I want to know. Because next hour I'm going to tell you what a bunch of un-American anti-constitutionalists they can. They are. Got that, Anal Lisa Quinn? By the way, where's Philip Bump these days? Remember Philip Bump, Mr. Producer? Of the Washington Compost? Philip Bump, he comes and he goes. Anal Lisa, I expect she'll do the same thing. You never know the way these uh, hit-and-run so-called journalists are. These Democratic Party operatives is what they are. We also have, when we get into the second hour and into the third hour, the wife of Representative Elijah Cummings is accused of receiving millions of dollars from special interest groups and corporations that had business before her husband's committee and could have been used illegally, according to an IRS complaint filed by an ethics watchdog group. You won't hear this on the morning schmo because they happen to be friends, but have you heard it anywhere on MSNBC? Have you heard it anywhere on CNN? No. But you'll hear it here. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. It's hour two. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Before we get to Nadler and the gaggle of rogues and miscreants on that committee, the Democrats, I want to read a little story to you from our friends at the Washington Examiner, Alana Goodman. Top Democrat's wife may have gained illegal private benefit from his committee activities. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, I've been arguing that members of Congress should be required to release 10 years of their tax returns. There's a leak now that has been received by the Washington Compost because we know it's an objective newspaper, apparently from the IRS, that there was some kind of a draft opinion that said that the president must release his tax returns. Now, having served in the Reagan administration, having dealt with a lot of bureaucrats who tried to sabotage us, some who were supportive, but a lot who tried to sabotage us, these are self-serving memos. They write these memos. They give an opinion. The opinions are overruled for legitimate reasons, not always political reasons. And then they leak their draft opinions to members of Congress or to the media. This is the way the game is played. 
I'm also sick and tired of seeing headlines that say the White House defies subpoenas. The White House is defending the executive branch and the office of the presidency. But let's get back. A charity run by the wife of Representative Elijah Cummings received millions of dollars from special interest groups and corporations that had business before her husband's committee and could have been used illegally, according to an IRS complaint filed by the Ethics Watchdog Group. Cummings, 68, a Maryland Democrat, is chairman of the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. His wife, Maya Rockymore, 48, is the chairman of the Maryland Democratic Party and briefly ran in the state's gubernatorial race last year. I didn't know that. Did anybody know Cummings' wife was the chairman of the Maryland Democratic Party? The couple married in 2008. Cummings was once heavily in debt, in part due to hefty child support payments to his first wife and two other women he had children with. But as, And they attacked Trump, I'm just telling you. But his financial situation has improved considerably over the past decade. Rocky Moore runs two entities, a nonprofit group called the Center for Global Policy Solutions and a for-profit consulting firm called Global Policy Solutions, LLC, whose operations appear to have overlapped, according to the IRS complaint filed by the watchdog group, the National Legal and Policy Center on Money. This is a very, very serious group. The complaint states that the arrangement may have been used to derive illegal private benefit, quote-unquote. Global Policy Solutions received more than $6.2 million in grants between 2013 and 2016, according to tax records. Several of the nonprofit group's financial backers, which include Google, J.P. Morgan, and Prudential, have business interests before the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. Isn't this iron triangle great? Here you have this committee chairman who oversees effectively government operations, is going after Trump. His wife is the head of the Democratic Party in Maryland, and his wife has two organizations, one nonprofit, one for-profit. And it just so happens that Google, J.P. Morgan, and Prudential, who have business interests before the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, which Cummings chairs, has given grants to her organizations. Cummings has served as Democratic chairman of the committee since January and previously, uh, previously served as ranking member. Now, the largest contributor to the nonprofit organization run by his wife was the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, a company that is regulated by Cummings Committee. The foundation, which gave a total of $5.5 million to Rocky Moore's consulting firm, that is, Cummings' wife, and $5.2 million to her nonprofit group, ceased supporting her groups in 2017. The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation gave a total of $5.5 million to his wife's consulting firm and $5.2 million to her nonprofit group, ceased in 2017. No wonder Elijah's looking good these days. Want to hear more? The Robert Wood Johnson Foundation was established by Johnson & Johnson founder Robert Wood Johnson, but is not officially affiliated with the pharmaceutical company. 
The foundation owns 13 million shares of Johnson & Johnson stock worth over $1.7 billion, making it one of the company's largest shareholders. Currently, five board members of the foundation are former senior executives at the pharmaceutical giant, including the foundation's chairman of the board of trustees, Roger Fine, who previously served as a corporate vice president and as general counsel of Johnson & Johnson. In recent months, Cummings has been a vocal opponent of Johnson & Johnson, targeting the company as part of the House Oversight Committee's probe of drug price inflation. Under Cummings, the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform has, widely, has wide authority to regulate business industries, including pharmaceuticals, banking, mortgage brokers, and technology. Recent years, Prudential, J.P. Morgan, and Johnson & Johnson have had business interests before the committee. Tom Anderson, director of the National Legal and Policy Center's Government Integrity Project, which has been investigating the nonprofit arrangement and provided research to the Washington Examiner, said the potential for corruption is off the charts, quote-unquote. He said Cummings' wife, Rocky Moore, declined to let his organization view her nonprofit organization's most recent public financial records as required by the IRS. Now, isn't that precious? So they're going after the president's tax returns, and he's not a nonprofit. Meanwhile, Elijah Cummings' wife runs this nonprofit, and her nonprofit refuses to give her tax return to this organization that has a right to review it because she's a nonprofit. Quote, when a powerful chairman of a committee of the House of Representatives has a wife that is bringing in money from entities with interest before his committee, and she's not providing the transparency mandated by the IRS, there's a serious problem, said Anderson. The potential for corruption in this situation is simply off the charts and can't be understated. We hope Chairman Cummings works with his wife to end the stonewalling and provide the public with what's legally mandated by all charities. Both Cummings and his wife, Rocky Moore, refused to discuss the allegations with the Washington Examiner. Ooh, obstruction. Cummings did not answer questions about the overlap between companies with interests before his committee and donors to his wife's foundation. Rocky Moore did not respond to a request for comment. The complaint asked the IRS to investigate the shared leadership, quote-unquote, integrated operations, quote-unquote, and shared address and physical facilities, quote-unquote, of Mrs. Uh, uh, Rocky Moore's two companies. Want to hear more? You won't hear this on TV. Rocky Moore's nonprofit and the LCC have mutual clients, donors, and projects. And we're located at the same address and share a phone number. In other words, you got a for-profit and a nonprofit. They're supposed to be strictly segregated. According to its website, the Center for Global Policy Solutions is a nonprofit group that seeks to, quote, create healthier communities, strengthen Social Security, and close racial wealth disparities, unquote. The for-profit consulting firm, Global Policy Solutions, LLC, describes itself as, quote, a social change strategy firm dedicated to making policy work for people and their environments, unquote. Don't you love it when these powerful politicians pretend they're for social change? They're the status quo. The complaint states that they appear to operate almost as a single entity, which would violate IRS rules, by the way. Rocky Moore's consulting firm was selected. Oh, 
for a $1 million federal contract with the General Services Administration in 2017 for work on, quote, the Leadership for Healthy Communities Project to Combat Child Obesity, according to federal records. At the same time, Rocky Moore's nonprofit group, quote, served as the National Program Office for Leadership for Healthy Communities, unquote, according to its website. So you can see the conflict and the appearance of a conflict when your tax dollars are going to organizations that are run by the wife of a powerful committee chairman, Elijah Cummings. This is absolutely stunning to me. And I'll bet a lot of this goes on with members of Congress, which is why we need their tax returns. So all the media listening tonight, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I want to insist tonight that Elijah Cummings released 10 years of his tax returns. That the name on the Elijah Cummings subpoena that went to the president's accounting firm be changed to Elijah Cummings and Mrs. Rocky Moore. And that it be sent to his own accounting firm. And that Mr. Cummings give us 10 years of all the records that his accounting firm has. And that of his wife. 10 years of tax returns. 10 years of financial information. And here's a real reason for it. May I also suggest the possibility of the appointment of a special counsel to investigate the powerful chairman of the House Reform and Government Oversight and Blah 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 Committee. And will we hear Republicans make this demand? And will the Democrats in the House show their consistency for once? No, they won't. If both groups, and by the way, maybe Annalisa Quinn will write a review of this. Maybe Annalisa Quinn will look into this. What do you think? If both groups are involved in managing the project, the arrangement is self-dealing and cannot be arm's length as required by IRS law, and prompt the question of whether its organizers are getting fat off the grants, according to the Watchdog Group's complaint. Rocky Moore did not respond to multiple requests from the Washington Examiner for her nonprofit group's most recent public financial records. Peter Flaherty, the chairman of the National Legal and Policy Center, said she hung up the phone on him when he asked for a copy of her tax returns. Oh, the inhumanity. I wonder if this will be covered by the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo tomorrow. I wonder if this will be covered by fake tapped out, a.k.a. Jake Tapper. How about Don Lemon? How about Chris Cuomo? How about Wolf Blitzer? Somebody wake him up. How about the Washington Compost and the New York Slimes? What do you think, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, this looks like a real big-time scandal, does it not? When the Washington Examiner visited the listed business address for Rocky Moore's consulting firm, a nonprofit, a doorman said she had moved out of the office building over a year ago, did not leave a forwarding address, and the building has continued to get her company's mail. I wonder if Philip Bump over there at the Washington Compost is interested. As committee chairman, Cummings is embroiled in a legal battle to obtain President Trump's tax returns. Cummings recently subpoenaed Trump's financial records, prompting the president to sue him in an effort to block the subpoena. And, of course, an Obama judge. In 30 days' time, with no discovery, truncated hearings ruled in favor of the Democrats. Imagine that. 
Cummings struggled with serious financial problems after joining Congress over 20 years ago. His, play, his house was placed in foreclosure at one point. You believe this? He owed $30,000 in unpaid taxes to the IRS. And he was taken to court multiple times for thousands in unpaid debts. This is Cummings, ladies and gentlemen, Elijah Cummings. Cummings said his financial difficulties were due to his hefty child support payments. So what? Since marrying Rocky Moore 11 years ago, Cummings' financial outlook has improved considerably. According to financial disclosure reports and property records, the couple currently owns two rental properties in Baltimore worth between a quarter of a million dollars and half a million dollars each. Last year, they sold their three-bedroom Victorian row house in northwest Washington for $896,000. Cummings disclosed in his financial reports that his wife earns an unspecified salary from Global Policy Solutions, LLC. He did not disclose that she receives a salary from her nonprofit organization, which was $152,000 in 2016, according to the group's tax records from that year. Ladies and gentlemen, the chairman of the House Reform and Government Oversight and Blah 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 Committee must resign. And there must be a House Ethics Committee investigation. And this is the man who chortles when questioned about his treatment of the president and his finances. Look at this guy's financial condition. It was an absolute disaster. Now all of a sudden, it's not. His wife, the head of the Democrat Party in Maryland, his wife who heads a, heads a for-profit and non-profit organization. Millions flowing in. Including from organizations over which her husband has oversight. I wonder what Annalisa thinks about this. Excuse me, Annalisa Quinn. Annalisa Quinn. Over there at National Pubic Radio. I wonder what they're thinking today. I wonder what Philip Bump, old Philly over there at the Washington Compost, I wonder if he's interested in this story. Nah. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Elijah Cummings, ladies and gentlemen. And his wife, what was it, Rocky Moore, something like that, her name? I ripped up the article. Now, if that's the case, how can Elijah Cummings remain the head of a committee that involves investigating, among other things, government corruption? Would somebody please explain that to me? Is that possible? And shouldn't we demand that Elijah Cummings step down as the chairman of the House Government Affairs and Reform and blah, blah, blah committee? I think we should. Is there, are there a group of Republicans with enough guts to raise this article in the Washington Examiner, this complaint that's been filed against him with the IRS, and the irony that his lovely wife won't reveal their public tax returns? You know, for nonprofit groups, the tax returns are public. The tax returns are public. And she, she hung up on the president of a watchdog group, the chairman of a watchdog group, who simply asked her for a copy of the tax returns. Now, it's sweet irony, but it also happens to be the law, doesn't it? I think so. Now, I want to know what's going to be done about this. 
I'm talking about in Congress. I'm sick and tired of these people. It's like members of the media who are cheating on their wives, who drop their wives and kids, or the opposite, husbands who drop their wives and kids, or wives who drop their husbands and kids, or husbands and husbands. You get the point. They're all over TV. We know who they are. Talking about the president's character. Whatever happened to the Me Too movement in the media? All of a sudden, there's no more sexual predators. They found five or six. They found a few in Hollywood. It's all over. It's not all over. They're still lurking out there. But they don't want to look anymore. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. The voice of sanity in an insane world. The Mark Levin Show. Call him now at 877-381-3811. At College of All Colleges, Hillsdale College. Have you ever asked yourself just how can I live a virtuous life? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn, top shelf gentleman, argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean. And it's all about ethics, by the way, where Aristotle presents a guide for securing such a virtuous life. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the primary obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Now, this new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings with you, and it can help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. If you take this free course from Hillsdale and and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better, and you can learn how to lead a good life, just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. We're going to get into uh, what took place in Jerry Nadler's uh, star chamber, his Soviet-style star chamber. And um, there's a very interesting piece that the American Spectator sent to me by my good buddy Victor Davis Hanson. Now, you heard me, if you listened to the first hour, to Analisa Quinn. 
because what the left tries to do, it's an old Soviet and Alinskyite tactic to try to tear people down. Now, what she doesn't put in her book review is anything about my background, is anything about my academic achievements, anything at all. She doesn't want you to know them. Just as she skipped around a different chapter. And by the way, I'm not being defensive at all. I don't need this woman. I don't care about NPR. I don't care about her review. I'm using it as an example. There's a piece today in the American Spectator by Ron Ross. Intellectual poverty on the left. Arrogance is no substitute for intellectual humility. And you see, Anal Lisa Quinn... Philip Bump and the other reprobates, they're never going to cover our discussion about these things, ever. And Mr. Ross writes, you may have noticed that conservatives are blessed with an impressive lineup of intellectual heavyweights. Liberals have none, literally none. A few of those on the conservative side are Thomas Sowell, Victor Davis Hanson, Dennis Prager, Shelby Steele, Jordan Peterson, and Mark Levin. Thomas Sowell is an economist, ex-Marine, Hoover Institution scholar, and the author of over 30 books. If you've never read one of them, you don't know what you're missing. Two of his classics are Knowledge and Decisions, and The Vision of the Anointed, Self-Congratulation as a Basis for Social Policy. He's well known for his many pearls of wisdom, which he terms random thoughts on the passing scene. Those now can be found on Twitter. Jordan Peterson is a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto and Hillsdale College, best known for his book, 12 Rules for Life, An Anecdote to Chaos. Several million copies have been sold. He's even number one bestseller in Sweden. If you read that book, you will understand life better. If you follow the rules, you will be a better person. The book is nothing short of a masterpiece. Besides his columns, daily radio show and books. Dennis Prager is the founder and frequent contributor to Prager University. And by the way, a very nice man. All of these people are nice people. Prager U presents concise, thoughtful, five-minute lectures on a weekly basis and recently reached a milestone of two billion views. His latest book is The Rational Bible, Genesis. Our buddy Victor Davis Hanson is a former professor of classical Greek history. He's also a scholar at the Hoover Institution. He writes columns usually once or twice a week and appears on Fox News often as, about as often. The amount of logic and historical perspective he includes in his columns is mind-boggling. His latest book is The Case for Trump. Mark Levin is the founder of the Landmark Legal Foundation, the author of several best-selling books, host of a daily radio show and a weekly hour-long interview show on Fox News. His just-published book, Unfreedom of the Press, is the number one bestseller on Amazon, and Levin never, needs, never leaves you wondering what he believes. Shelby Steele is another scholar at the Hoover Institution, an author of The Content of Our Character, A New Vision of Race in America, and Shame. You cannot name a single liberal who has anything approaching the above credentials or intellectual output. Why? There's a number of reasons. Liberalism is fundamentally about feelings rather than thoughts. Also, the left focuses on intentions, the right focuses on results and the ways by which results are achieved. An advantage in making intentions your goal is that once you choose and announce them, you're done. 
No need to follow up to see if your intentions were realized. No need to consider second or third order effects. Leftism is about force. Conservatism is about freedom and voluntary exchange. The use of force needs no theory or ideology. Anyone willing to rely on force to accomplish his or her objectives doesn't really need to understand how the world works. The mindset of the writers listed above reflects what is written in Ecclesiastes. Quote, And I gave my heart to seek and search out for wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. The foremost source of the left's intellectual poverty is arrogance. Yes, like Annalisa Quinn and Philip Bump and the rest. Arrogance kills curiosities. Those on the left feel they already know all they need to know. They have nothing left to learn or to bother thinking deeply about. Ironically, they feel intellectually superior to conservatives. A prerequisite for being a serious thinker is curiosity. It requires being curious about how things work. Society, the economy, human nature, for example. Curiosity is the incentive for doing the hard work of study and serious thought. The left also feels morally superior to any of our predecessors. Conservatives, on the other hand, well, possess a deep respect and reverence for the wisdom we've inherited from, for example, the Greeks, the Bible, Shakespeare, and the Founding Fathers. Isaac Newton famously said, If I have seen further than others, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Even Newton needed to know what those preceding him had discovered. On the left, there's no gratitude for the wisdom endowed, wisdom endowed by our forebears. Rather than gratitude, there's disdain, another reflection of their arrogance. The opposite of arrogance is humility. As Isaac Newton also recognized, what we know is a drop. What we don't know is an ocean. In a 2018 study reported in the Journal of Positive Psychology entitled Links Between Intellectual Humility and Acquiring Knowledge found that intellectual humility was associated with a variety of characteristics associated with knowledge, acquisition, including reflective thinking, need for cognition, intellectual engagement, and so forth. As long as the left holds on to its arrogance, it will never match the richness of the right's intellectual offerings. It's another reason why being a conservative is a whole lot more fun than being a liberal. Mr. Ross, Ron Ross, you hit the nail on the head. Very well, very well put. It's quite true, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? Yes, I think it is. All right, let's move to a variety of news issues that are occurring but are of significance. But before I do that, Let's take a couple of calls. People have been waiting for some time here. John, Davenport, Illinois, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? Uh, great, Mark. Thanks for uh, writing the book. I just wanted to let you know that uh, I ordered the book from Amazon a month ago, and I happened to be out of town on business. I couldn't wait to get it because uh, I went over to Barnes & Noble and picked one up at the wow. bottom of the first hour. Uh, thank well, you very well much. I hope I didn't let you down. No, you you have not, not at all. And uh, just uh, another thought is I've this just reaffirms what I've thought for many many decades of my life. Uh, I had the uh, opportunity early in my career in the '80s to have an overseas assignment for three years, and that was a stark reality to see 
how even just overseas they report more fairly on what our political uh, situation is, mm-hmm. and that was in the 80s, than what was done back in the 80s. Just, uh, it's, it's just a, uh, something that's uh, hard to believe that this actually went on uh, for over 100 years. But uh, thank you again for writing this book. I've been watching your interviews with Sean Hannity and uh, Pete Hegseth on your Sunday night show. Uh, this is exactly what I believe, and I think 63 million other people have voted for Trump, at least. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it very much. Kirk, Norman, Oklahoma, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Yes, Mark. It's an honor to talk to you today on the release date of the new book. And I just want to tell you, I was really excited today when I got home and my copy was waiting in my mailbox for me. So thank you. Thank Um, you, sir. You know, we spoke before and you said at the time, can you imagine how popular this president would be if we had an honest press? So that's why I specifically want to thank you for this book. But I want to ask you a question, Mark, and I'm not trying to be provocative, but I want to ask you, will a book like this really change hearts and minds, or is it just going to get lost in what the liberals might consider to be a conservative echo chamber? We don't know. We, we, We don't know. I can already tell you that the liberals don't care what's in this book or any other book. They They don't care what's in the Constitution. But this isn't really focused on people like that. That's why I read that article just now about the arrogance of the left. It's focused on people who are finding their way, who aren't sure, as well as my vast audience, people like you. It's not that it's an echo chamber. It provides more information, more ideas, more support for our values and our principles. We need to reinforce them. That's exactly what happened with the colonists. Now, we're not going to fight an armed revolutionary war But we're in a war of ideas, we're in a war over our culture, over our government, and over our society. We're trying to defend what the the colonists fought for in the first place. And so there are people out there who might be smarter than you and I, who do different things than you and I, and they may have different ideas about the media, how to approach it, how to create new platforms, how to create new, new products, and so forth and so on. And that's the goal. The goal is to have a society that is free, that keeps pressing ahead and pressing ahead, and that we get over these obstacles. But this is a very big obstacle. Uh, I'm, I'm contending that the mass media today, the modern mass media, is destroying the free press. It's destroying the First Amendment while it wraps itself in it. So first of all, we've got to get our arguments out there and got to make our core positions known. And then secondly, influence. We just don't watch them anymore. We don't pay attention to them anymore, or we ridicule them as we do. And then there are other things we can do. People attack the Internet. I do not attack the Internet. Of course you get reprobates on the Internet. You get reprobates at the uh, 7-Eleven or the CVS or at the grocery store in schools, whatever. There are smart people. There are great bloggers. There are great news websites. There are great thinkers. We have more access to them than ever before, than ever before. No thanks to CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post. We should embrace these technologies. We should embrace these platforms. And I want to thank you very, very much for your call, Kirk. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Do you wish that double chin would just go away? 
Your wish is our command with Genesel's outrageous summer sale. Double chins, sagging jawlines, and turkey necks are real problems until now. Introducing the new jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Robin S. from Lubbock, Texas wrote this. I put that jawline cream on my neck like two or three days ago. That is the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. So sure, you could use expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why would you do that to yourself? For this week only, get the Genesel jawline treatment absolutely free when you order the classic Genesel for eye bags and puffiness. With its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. In the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com or call 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604. And for a limited time, Chaminade will include a second surprise luxury gift for free. Call 800-SKIN-604 or visit Genesel.com. That's 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. This is the last comment I'm going to make about NPR, which really has no reason to exist. And Anal, Anal Ann, and uh, what's her name? Quinn. Anal Lewis and Quinn. You can try to make fun of my advertisers. You can try to make fun of my audience. But here's what I know. I have a conscience. I have a soul. I have a heart. And I would never, ever, under any circumstances, receive a penny from the New York Times. You sit there, you think you're so smart with your smugness, with your ignorance with your psychological issues, your anger management issues, and you write and contribute to a newspaper that betrayed millions and millions of European Jews, that betrayed millions and millions of Ukrainians, as they were screaming at the top of their lungs for somebody to hear them, for somebody to help them. The New York Times turned effectively its back. Even the American people were in the dark until about 1944. How anybody can work for that newspaper and then attack the President of the United States or attack me or attack anybody else is really unbelievable. Would any of you work for any other business outside the media that did what the New York Times did during the Holocaust in the face of the Third Reich. Would you self-censor information to try and position yourself as a universal newspaper carrying water for FDR who wanted to kind of tamp down the information? Is that what we want from a free press? And they did it twice. Ten years before that. To the Ukrainians, same damn thing. And this clown who works for this government-subsidized left-wing propaganda machine called National Public Radio, when we have thousands and thousands of radio stations subsidized by you and me, 
When we watch PBS go on the air and sell mugs and floor mats and old DVDs, they look down at you and me. They look down at you and me. They are a disgrace. An absolute disgrace. National Public Radio. And Anal Lisa Quinn. And over there at the Washington Post. Philip Bump. Great job, Philip Bump. In covering the police state tactics of the Obama administration. Which did in fact interfere with the last election. Somehow they all escaped charges. Somehow they've all escaped oversight. Somehow they've all escaped condemnation from Philip Bump and Annalisa Quinn. Now I wash my hand of these individuals and we move on. I'll be right back. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I will be on Hannity tonight. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Executive privilege. Does anybody know what executive privilege is? It's the right of the president and high-level executive branch officers to withhold information from Congress, even the courts. And it's used in two circumstances. Certain national security matters and protecting the privacy of White House deliberations when it's in the public interest to do so. Now, the second point is relevant. Who's used executive privilege? Many presidents have used executive privilege. It's a separation of powers issue. Would you be surprised that George Washington was the first to use executive privilege? They didn't call it executive privilege, but it was a privilege. 
and he used it because Congress wanted information about the deliberations of the executive branch in coming to this Jay Treaty, which was very controversial. And Washington said, no. How the hell can I deliberate? Other presidents, not in any particular order that come to mind, Dwight Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, George Bush, Grover Cleveland, Bill Clinton, and others. Tell me, were they all obstructing Congress? Should they all have been impeached for this? Again, I just told you more in 60 seconds than you're going to hear on any TV show. You know who else used it? Barack Obama. Was he impeached for that? I don't think so. So I bring this up to you because the president's use of executive privilege respecting demands about his White House lawyer and now others in his close circle is a perfectly legitimate exercise of power. I want to read to you in this context some of what of the news that's out there, so-called. Here we have National Review. DOJ Office of Legal Counsel concludes Congress can't force McGahn to testify. May read McArdle. In an opinion released Monday, the Office of Legal Counsel, which, which um, provides constitutional advice, well, that former White House counsel Donald McGahn is not legally required to testify to Congress on matters related to special counsel Robert Mueller's report. The opinion stated the immunity of the president's immediate advisors from compelled congressional testimony on matters related to their official responsibility has long been recognized and arises from the fundamental workings of separation of powers. This is a fact. There's nothing controversial about this. So, you have these constitutional illiterates running to the microphones at MSLSD and CNN, and they give these people legitimacy, and they give them a platform to make these asinine comments that this is the final straw. The refusal to allow McGahn to testify is the final straw. Is there anybody closer in terms of giving the president advice than his White House counsel? So this has always been understood, and yet you wouldn't know that, would you? Now, what else is happening? The House Judiciary Committee has now issued subpoenas to former White House Communications Director and Confidant Hope Hicks and to Annie Donaldson, the former Chief of Staff to ex-White House Counsel Don McGahn. Of course, this falls into the same category as McGahn, the inner circle of the President of the United States. Because it's understood a president cannot function if he cannot have an inner circle that he can talk to confidentially and openly. Just like Elijah Cummings obviously talks to his staff or so forth. And so they're purposely doing this in order to create the impression that we have a constitutional crisis in order to create the impression that the president is obstructing Congress, that he has something to hide when in fact he's protecting the Office of the Presidency. House Judiciary Chairman Nadler, Fox News, Joseph Wolfson. By the way, I want to congratulate Joseph Wolfson. He's made an incredibly important career decision, a smart career decision. He's left Mediaite, and he's gone to Fox. 
Trump is making it more difficult not to consider impeachment, Nadler says. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Gerald Nadler accused the White House of intimidating former White House counselor Don McGahn from testifying on Capitol Hill and said it was becoming more and more difficult not to consider President Trump's impeachment on Monday night. You're dealing with a lawless president who's willing to go to any lengths to prevent testimony that might implicate him. That does implicate him, Nadler said. What is this clown talking about? Implicate him in what? Some criminal investigation? We already had a criminal investigation, didn't we, ladies and gentlemen? So what is this fool talking about? And yet this is repeated verbatim and ad nauseum as as if this is a serious person. He's not a serious person. He's a clown. Where are the media? Why don't they set things straight? They refuse to set things straight. These are phony events. Then we have this article. Special counsel's team hesitant about Mueller testifying public or part of holdup of securing his testimony. Special counsel Robert Mueller's team has expressed reluctance to him testifying publicly in front of the House Judiciary Committee, according to sources. Special counsel's team has conveyed the notion that Mueller does not want to appear political after staying behind the scenes for two years and not speaking as he conducted his investigation. One option is to have him testify behind closed doors. But the notion that Mueller would only answer questions in private has become a sticking point, according to a source. And Democrats believe the public needs to hear directly from the special counsel. Rank-and-file Democrats make clear they believe Mueller must testify publicly, given the gravity of the investigation. Sources caution numerous options are being considered in negotiations between the committee and the special counsel's office. Why do they need to talk to the special counsel? Does anybody know? What's the problem? I'm just curious. They want to question everybody. And then we get to the issue of impeachment. What is impeachment? What does the Constitution say about impeachment? You hear it said all the time. Constitution says, you know, it's a political process. Constitution doesn't say that. Constitution uses actual language. The President of the United States and the Vice President of the United States are the only individuals in this country elected by the entire country. The individuals who want to impeach him are not. Impeachment, when it applies to judges, impeachment, when it applies to other executive branch officials, is a different kettle of fish. You like that old saying? There's only one president. There's only one vice president. There are many second-tier, third-tier executive officials. There are many judges, and there are many members of Congress, of course. And so when you're considering impeachment of a president, you're supposed to be particularly careful about it. Well, what about Clinton, everybody says in a political response. I mean, after all, that backfired on the Republicans. What does that have to do with anything? Bill Clinton lied to a federal grand jury. Bill Clinton lied during his deposition in front of a federal judge. That's what happened. Bill Clinton was held in contempt by that federal judge. And he didn't even challenge it. He didn't even fight it. He paid the penalties and the court fees. 
And he was disbarred by the Arkansas Supreme Court for eight years. And he resigned from the U.S. Supreme Court bar before they would disbar him. Donald Trump hasn't done any of these things. Hasn't done any of these things. To anybody. They keep talking about he told McGahn to fire Mueller. If the president wanted to fire Mueller, Mueller would have been fired. He didn't need to go through his White House counsel. But as the Attorney General points out, for which he is dis- it, they attempt to destroy his character, the president didn't want to fire Mueller because he wanted to inve- end the investigation. In fact, the president had said on other occasions, find out what's wrong, go for it. But he was critical of the prosecutor and critical of his team because they're partisans, they're Democrats, they were supporters of Obama and Clinton. One of them went to the Clinton Victory Party. You're well familiar with Andrew Weissman. So he wanted Mueller fired because Mueller was conflicted in his view, in my view. But the president even says, I never said that. In 30 hours of testimony with McGahn, that's the best they've got. The chairman of the Judiciary Committee announced today the president of the United States has committed crimes. He has declared that the president of the United States has committed crimes. He should resign. He's a disgrace. And this clown congressman from Rhode Island, I can't remember his name, Cicillone or something like that, goes on TV, can barely talk in complete sentences. And he says, the McGahn issues the last straw for him. It's time to really seriously consider impeachment. We're dealing with either ideologues or low IQ radicals. Maybe they're both. But I just wanted you to know that the assertion of executive privilege, while not done every day, historically, it's not particularly unique. And then they issue subpoenas demanding the president's tax returns because they want to make sure the IRS, you see, is functioning properly. But they didn't demand the subpoenaing of Barack Obama and Michelle Obama's tax returns, did they? No, they didn't. They want the president's bank information because they want to see if there's any hanky-panky going on with his investments. They have absolutely no predicate for this, none whatsoever. They just want his information so they can leak it. And they got a federal judge, an Obama appointee, Mr. Chief Justice, who made a farce of his courtroom. And I say that as the senior judicial analyst on the Mark Levin Show. He pushed the process at breakneck speed, thereby cutting corners including discovery. He says, you know, the last time the request like this was made was Buchanan. Well, why does that matter? Did they request Buchanan's tax returns? We didn't even have a federal income tax back then. Not so clever there, Judge, but you get my point, ladies and gentlemen. They didn't want any of this information, Obama. They don't want to know anything about real Russia collusion. They don't want to know anything about the FISA court or the... Hillary campaign and the DNC and the things they were... They don't want to know anything about that. But the president's investments 10 years ago, 8 years ago, that's crucially important to know. Then we learn about Elijah Cummings and his wife. She's bringing millions and millions and millions of dollars into a for-profit and non-profit organization that she set up. She got a $152,000 salary that they didn't even report on their financial disclosure forms. 
And some of the main contributors or some of the most prominent contributors are entities for which her husband has oversight responsibility. Or let's take a look at Diane Frankenstein. Sits on the Intelligence Committee. So unintelligent is she, in other words, so stupid is she, for Annalisa Quinn, just to underscore it. She didn't know that she had a communist Chinese spy as a driver for years. She didn't know. She was on the phone the other day on her cell phone with the foreign minister of Iran. She's a very busy lady. Very busy. But of course, her husband is a big investor in communist China. And she sits on the intelligence committee. No big deal. What's the problem? What's the problem? No collusion there. No suspicion there. None. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let's go to some of our brilliant callers. John Naples, Florida, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Dr. Levin, it's an honor to speak to you, sir. Thank you, I, sir. Uh, I, uh, my three un, um, unfreedom of the press books arrived today. You know, when uh, Liberty and Tyranny came out, I bought 25 of them. Holy macro. Yeah, I gave them out to a lot of people. And so same with your other books. And, of course, I loved Spritey. That Thank was a you. great book. Um, but this one is, uh, I can't wait to sit down and start reading it. Uh, what you do for our country, sir, cannot be overestimated. Uh, and I just want you to know how how much we appreciate every minute of what you do. I watch the, I mean, I listen to the podcast. I listen to your Fox News show. I, I mean, it's just, I can't get enough of your knowledge. Uh, I just try and absorb as much as I can. So I just want to say thank you. And there's millions of people like me, just like me, who work their whole life uh, and, and, want to just be able to enjoy what we have and not see this country go down the tubes. And what they're doing to this president is just an unmitigated disaster. Uh, I, don't, I, I just want to ask you, what, what do you think is going to happen with these tax returns that they want? Do you think he can forestall that or what? First of all, I want to thank you for your kind words. Well, unfortunately, our Constitution has been turned inside out. And I often say that in many respects we live in a post-constitutional period. And uh, the courts, unfortunately, will decide this, even though the court should have no business in this. And uh, that will be the decision that's made. But I hope the courts understand that if a committee of the House or a subcommittee of the House has the power to subpoena the tax records of the President of the United States, then they have the power to subpoena the tax records of Supreme Court justices they don't like of appellate justices they don't like, of district court judges they don't like, of individual citizens they don't like. This will be a power that was never intended to be reserved or granted to the Congress. Same with the president's financial records. This Obama judge in Washington, D.C. strikes me as very partisan and not particularly intelligent because the way he ruled, it was so broad, access to the president's accounting and financial records that his private accounting firm must turn over. Uh, it gives Congress power that the framers never, never intended 
these they're they're seeking this information basically when Trump was uh, for the most part a private citizen, and let's keep that in mind. They have no information of any collusion of any kind. So this is a seek and destroy mission by the Democrat Party on behalf of the DNC, uh, on behalf of the Democrat candidates. So we'll see how this turns out. But the fact that the President of the United States has to do this, has to deal with this, is a big, big problem. But even more, the fact that the media carry the water for this is what I want to focus on in a great way, because they are supposed to check government abuse. And they seem to think whenever a Republican's elected president, it's their job to take him out. Let's not forget, they wanted Reagan out. They wanted George W. Bush out. They got Nixon out. Can't think of too many Democrats who've uh, suffered that kind of attack. Thank you for your call, John. You're a great patriot and very, very kind words. I can't thank you enough. We'll be right back. Where Americans meet to defend liberty and defeat tyranny. Call the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Tell me, who oversees... Congressional abuses, committee abuses of power. Who oversees that? You know, they want to keep talking about the president violating the Constitution, the president abusing his power. Tell me, who's destroying the nation's finances? Where does the spending and borrowing start? Who's destroying the nation's immigration laws by backing sanctuary citizens and refusing to secure our borders? Who's destroying our health care system? Who oversees Congress? Well, you do. We vote for it. Well, we vote for the president, too, don't we? So that's not the issue. That's not the issue. And the way the media report, Congress never abuses its authority unless, of course, it's run by Republicans. I want to remind you, and this is in my book. I am very, very proud of this book, and I'm glad so many of you are. I see all the five stars on Amazon, and I know the miscreants will snake their way in there, but I'm very proud of it, and I want to thank you. I think you're going to enjoy it and really be engaged by it. I think you'll read it in one or two sittings, too. That's what most people are saying now. But I explained in the book there was a committee in the Senate. It was headed by a senator by the name of Black, who had been a member of the Klan. He came out of Alabama. You may have heard of him. Uh, Hugo Black. He became the first appointee to the Supreme Court by Franklin Roosevelt. But he headed a committee. And as the head of this committee, uh, he sought to punish newspapers that didn't go along with FDR's agenda. And the telegraph company. And they filed all kinds of subpoenas for information, telegraphs. And they went into the telegraph office and they literally looked at millions of telegraphs. They claim they had the oversight authority to do it. Mr. Nadler and his band of rabid Democrats are opening Pandora's box. If we had a functioning media, they would be condemning this rather than mouthpieces for Mr. Nadler. You can see what happens when you have a media that doesn't function properly which is why I keep bringing up chapter 6 in the New York Times. When the media doesn't function properly, tyranny is the result. 
sometimes even worse. Sometimes even worse. You know, uh, I hear all these Democrats talk about how much better the European health model is. But is it? In England right now, a patient with a doctor's referral for cancer treatment will wait at least 62 days just to start treatment. That's over two months. Since we know that treating cancer in the earliest stages gives the patient the best chance of beating it, would you want your loved one to wait more than two months before they can even begin treatment? Do you want England's health care system? Worse, Brits may not even have access to the latest cancer drugs because their government-run system dictates what they will pay even if they'll cover a new treatment. So I want to ask you a question. Why does HHS Secretary Alex Azar want to import a European healthcare system with ration care and long waiting lists? Why is he pushing socialist drug price controls and changes to Medicare that would deny seniors access to the latest and best treatments? Why do we want uh, that here when it's not working there? It's competition and transparency that works. Not one-size-fits-all mandates. Competition and transparency. We have an antitrust division in the Department of Justice. We have an antitrust division in the Department of Justice. If two toaster companies, one wants to buy the other, and there's a certain percentage of the market controlled by a toaster company, the antitrust division will step in. And yet, when it comes to the left's agenda, they demand monopoly. Government monopoly. Does that make sense to you? Competition and transparency, not one-size-fits-all mandates and price controls. So why is Secretary Azar still pushing socialist solutions? Get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. The President of the United States is a victim of the greatest scandal in modern history, if not American history. And yet they want to impeach him. They want his private records. They have no predicate whatsoever. None. Congress has abused its power before. And it's abusing its power now. Tony, Camden, New Jersey, Sirius XM Satellite, go! Yes, uh, you know... uh Police officers are held to a standard as, as they live above their means. They come under investigation, usually if it's a, a decent-sized police department. Would be and you're a retired order. police officer, correct? Yes. Go right ahead. Uh, they come under investigation uh, because they're living above their means. Now, I'm, I'm pointing to someone like Maxine Waters who lives in a $4 million home making $173,000 a year. Why don't we find out where that money's coming mm-hmm. from? Or you're Elijah, quite right. uh, uh, Cummings. Uh, Cummings. Yep. Uh, or you say he didn't disclose, they didn't disclose her salary that she made last year. Why isn't this being scrutinized? Why are politicians being held to a higher standard than a lowly police officer? Mm-hmm. Well, you named it, because they're politicians. And so my question is, why are some politicians, why do they get a free ride? And why is the President of the United States, who comes into office as a billionaire, why are they so interested in his, uh, his investments? I mean, Barack Obama made multi-millions of dollars through books. Nobody really knows 100% why. Tell me, did the Democrats seem concerned about that? Uh, well, I'd like for some uh, Republicans to introduce legislation, maybe that, that they could uh, set up such a system like internal. Well, they're going to have to set it up when there's all Republicans, because I don't think the Democrats will vote for that, do you? 
see some Republicans who fall under scrutiny also. All right, sir. Appreciate your call. Let us go to Carl, Norwood, New York, the great WQTK. Go. Mark, a yes, pleasure. Sir. As always, thank you, and right now doubly so, because your book, Courtesy Amazon, was my birthday present, my 71st oh, wow. early this month. It's coming, as the TV sitcom says, any day now. <laughs> so Very bless good. you. And by the way, uh, an aside, but just remember, if you're not aware of this already, sir, that you were gifted with both of your parents for as long as you were. Mm-hmm. Give thanks for that. I appreciate that. Statement of fact. Thank but you. in any case... Uh, and my, and by my, the way, may I say, the greatest part of my book is the dedication to my parents. Anyway, go right ahead. Very well, thanks again. thing is, my point, as an unwitting expert, concerns public media. National public radio, my response is, yeah, right, what nation? And PBS, well, the letter P stands for pure, and I'll let you fill in the other two. The The other two initials, BS, you mean Bernie Sanders? Well, they're synonyms. Yes. But in any case, the point being, I, by pure fate, hooked on to all of this phalanx of breathing, ethical, living commentators such as yourself on the road nine years ago and nothing on the public radio station up here worth listening to. So I spun the dial in my vehicle and there was the voice of Rush who led at 6 p.m. at that time directly into you. And I said, I have been under a rock and I am locked on QTK ever since that day. Wonderful. All four radios. That was Killer's Row. Talk radio. Killer's Row. Thank you very, very much, Carl. I appreciate you. Appreciate it. Mike in Canada, listening, I guess, on KSFO's website. How are you? I am very well, Mark. It's it's an honor to speak with you. I've only been listening to you for about an hour. Sorry, a year. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I first heard of you. Are, um, Are you a Canadian or an American? I'm Canadian. I'm uh, born right. and bred, and I still live in uh, Kelowna, B.C., British Columbia. All right, sir. And uh, I actually kind of wanted to call just in case uh, there are other, you know, Livingites that are also Canadian like me who just sort of heard of you just through all this this sort of um, this surge of sort of new new wave of conservatism. How, how did you hear of me all the way in Canada? Um, well, I sort of, um, you know, your, your, uh, your guest, Brendan Straka, who was on yes. your Life, Liberty, and Within TV show, well, he... I sort of went through the, a very similar experience that he did about in the early 2016. And so there was, once I sort of saw what was happening, I mean, you know, the Internet just, you know, expands largely beyond, you know, the United States. And, you know, being in Canada, I'm pretty close. And also another thing I should say, I will answer your question, but i got to say that um, the politics of what's happening in the United States is extremely um, conversational and debated all the time in Canada. So... A lot of people might think, well, no one really must care. It's not their country. But, I, I, I mean, it's it's unbelievable how much, even the Kavanaugh stuff, when that stuff happened, that's what everyone was talking about. Everyone's, you know, picking sides and identifying with their position and getting upset and angry. But mm-hmm. to quickly answer your question, um, I started listening to Ladder with Crowder, and I really liked his content. And Oh, uh, he's terrific. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. He's pretty funny, too. And he's also Canadian, too, which is actually kind of cute. Um mm-hmm. 
he uh so what happened was i i saw all this censorship happening and i thought you know what um i'm gonna join his mud club i'm gonna you know put even though i didn't have much money i said you know what i i, I believe this is a good cause so I'll, I'll pay the money and i got my mug which is kind of cute and uh i started clicking around in the show i got one minute left i apologize go ahead i'll just make it very quick um i uh i saw live in tv and i i've never even heard of you and i started clicking watching your videos and i really really enjoyed the content and now i've become a livingite so that's all i want to say aren't you terrific well my friend thank you very very much and if you ever need good medical care, of course, you're going to have to head south. Uh, and, of course, uh, if they destroy our medical care, I don't know where we're going to go. But uh, I appreciate your call very much. God bless you. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. this Perry Mason all right guess I need to move on you know hiring used to be hard multiple job sites stacks of resumes a confusing review process but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Now, ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't just stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job. They're proactive. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Now, from my book, those of you who have it, those of you who are getting it, and by the way, you can get it in any retail store, too. I was happened to be at Costco's, and there they were. You get them at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million and Target and Walmart and BJ's and Sam's and any independent bookstore. And I really do hope you'll acquire your copy as soon as possible so we're, we can really jump in even further. David Bido, B-E-I-T-O, professor, University of Alabama, he wrote about President Franklin Roosevelt's War on the Press during the New Deal and later in World War II. And among the things he mentioned, and I include part of this in my book, is that FDR recruited Senator Hugo Black of Alabama, as I was briefly discussing with you, a zealous and effective New Deal loyalist as chairman of the Black Committee, and he undertook a wide-ranging investigation into anti-New Deal critics, including journalists. And he was granted access to tax returns dating back to 1925 of such critics as David Lawrence of the United States News. He demanded that his targets turn over their private telegrams, that the telegraph companies let the committee search copies of all incoming and outgoing telegrams for the first nine months of 1935. And when Western Union refused on privacy grounds, the FCC at Black's urging ordered it to comply. And the extent of the government's intrusion into private telegram communications was shocking. 
Over nearly a three-month period at the end of 1935, writes Beto, not that Beto, a real Beto, FCC and Black Committee staffers searched great stacks of telegrams in Western Union's D.C. office. They had virtually no restrictions. They read the communications of various lobbyists, newspaper publishers, and conservative activists, as well as every member of Congress. And writing to Black, one investigator stated they had gone through thirty-five to 50,000 telegrams a day. Various newspapers and members of Congress later estimated that staffers had examined some 5 million telegrams over the course of the investigation. Hugo Black would later become Roosevelt's first appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court. And early in his career, he'd been a member of the Ku Klux Klan. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there are abuses by Congress. This is just one. There have been many. Members of Congress, congressional committees, Congress as a whole can abuse power and does abuse power. And it's doing exactly that today with its subpoenas of the president's inner circle, with the subpoena of the president's White House counsel, with the subpoena of the president's tax returns and financial information and communications with his accounts, with the subpoenas of the president's bank records. Oh, the shame of it. And yet, the media just carry on. It's all well and good because the goal is to take out the president. And that's the goal of the media. People say to me, why won't the media apologize for what took place? Russian collusion, I said, apologize for it. They participated in it. In fact, in many respects, they led the way. They led the way. So, I just wanted to point that out. Marv, Excuse me, Mary in Iowa, Sirius XM. How are you? Okay, not well. Kevin, Wisconsin, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey, Mark, this is uh, Kevin O'Leary. I'm uh, listening to you for about two years now and have uh, quite been educated over the past uh, few years since listening to you. And perhaps you might be able to help me out with a kind of a two-part question. My question is, what... Well, first of all, it's the impeachment's inevitable because the Democrats are just they want blood. And my question is, what is the specific charge for impeachment that they would get him with? And then the second part is, well, I don't know. I don't think there'd be one. I think there'd be multiple and they're going to add up these subpoenas and make it like it's an overwhelming case. Refuse to provide relevant financial records, refuse to provide tax records authorized by the code, refuse to allow this one to testify, that one to testify. I can already write it for them, even though it's a complete joke. Understood. So there's there's really been no new information from in discovery, if you will, since the Mueller report came out. This is all relating to his obstruction, if you will. Yep. I understand. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. Take care. That's pretty much what it is. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm going to be on Hannity in like 35 minutes. Are you folks going to be there with me? I hope you will. I'm, I'm going to see if I can discuss some of these things. I'm going to see if I can get in this, uh, this issue about uh, uh, these abuses of power by the committees the executive authority of a president. So we'll see. We'll see what I'm able to do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Please do go out and get your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, or you can get it online in multiple areas, including Amazon.com, where it's very, very well priced. 
I know you're going to like it, and I know it's important. I really believe it. I salute all you heroes. I'll see you in 30 minutes on Fox. God bless each and every one of you. Take care. Take care.